I'll quote Martin Luther again this morning when he said Romans is shallow enough for a baby to wade in and deep enough for a man to drown in. Our first study of Romans, we had a few weeks ago earlier this month, we did the Nesty Plunge. You know, we, we, we fell right in to Romans. And uh, we, we understood uh, the righteousness, God's righteousness. We first looked at... Uh, at the uh, revelation of God's righteousness by understanding the conditions, the accreditation and the demonstration of God's righteousness by reading in this letter by Paul that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, but God wants all to be saved. We learned in this great letter to the Romans that God has provided salvation for all who have enough faith to obey to be obedient. The obedient are set apart. The obedient are, are sanctified to God's purpose. Last week we went we went really deep last week. <laughs> we went too deep. I don't know if you've ever jumped in the swimming pool and went down and tried to touch the drain and your, your ears were popping you almost go a little too deep. We went very deep last week in our study of chapters 9 through 11 of Romans. The, the justification justification of God's righteousness, how it's shown by His, shown by His sovereignty, that God is, God is the ruler. He's the ruler. He's in charge. We saw this as we studied Israel. We saw this as we studied Israel's past election, present rejection, and future election, if they would have faith enough to obey. And we applied this doctrine to our lives. We have been taught doctrinal matters so far, but now Paul turns in his focus to behavioral matters in chapters 12 through 16. If you'll go ahead and turn there in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we'll, we'll look into some of these things. I'll tell you what, turn to Romans chapter 16. That's probably where we'll start first. We've been taught doctrinal matters, as I've said, but now Paul turns his focus to behavioral matters. Paul has told us the gospel is God's power to save, Romans 1.16. And he's told us how to obey the gospel by being baptized into Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And why God has the right to command as sovereign ruler. But now, Paul shows us how to apply God's righteousness in our lives. Here's how you do it, he says. Then here's how you apply it. How do we apply God's righteousness to our lives? That's the, the major question this morning as, 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 we, as we study this great letter to the Romans. How do we apply God's righteousness to our lives and, and work with others, work with those around us? Walt Whitman, in his long narrative poem, Song of Myself, told the subject of his poem, after much advice, Long have you timidly waited, holding a plank by the shore. Now I will you to be a strong, bold swimmer, to jump off in the midst of the sea, rise again, nod to me, shout, and laughingly dash with your hair. Paul is telling the Romans, here's how to swim. Now swim. Any of you, did y'all learn how to swim because your daddy threw you off in the pool or off in the creek or off in the river? He just threw you out there said, swim. Well, Paul didn't do that to the Romans. He didn't do that to them. 
They waded out. They tested the waters. He taught them first. Now it's time to swim. Fountainhead, how many times have we studied the Scriptures? How many times have we heard the Gospel? How many times have, do, have we learned what to do and how to do it and what to say and, and where to go? Paul is telling the Romans then and us today, go and do it now. Go and do it now. Apply this to your life. Apply God's righteousness to your life. And this is how you do it. Here's why you should. Here's why you live the life. Here's how you obey. You have certain duties. You have certain liberties. You have certain responsibilities as a Christian. And we're going to look at those this morning. This letter is so deep, it's easy to forget that Paul is writing to flesh and blood people. He's surrounded by real Christians as well. Paul is writing from Corinth to a place that he he hasn't visited yet. But he has friends there. He has a family there that he he already knows. He's known them from other places. He he greets those that he has known, that he has met. You know, I always find it comforting to know that wherever I go, whatever city I can go in, in the United States, more than likely, in a lot of places in the world, I can always find the Lord's church and I can always find a friend. Whenever you go on vacation, you'll always be able to find the Lord's church. Brother, Brother Eddie, we're going to Savannah maybe here in a few weeks, Lord willing, right? And we were looking at the book back there, and there are churches in Savannah where he can attend. He'll, he'll find friends there. He'll find people with like-mindedness there. And Paul does that as well. He's, 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 telling, he's, he's uh, greeting people. Uh, today in Romans, we begin at the end. So like I said, turn to Romans chapter 16. And we'll, we'll begin at the end and understand Paul's purpose for writing, his plans for, vis- for visiting, and then, and then the praise that he has for his Roman brethren. Paul's purpose for writing is found in Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 21. Paul is confident about the Roman Christians, but in verse 15 he's reminding them of, of some things. He has written boldly uh, on some points as we looked at last time. He was very bold in in talking to even the Jewish people of that time. Uh, Everywhere he went, verse 19 it says, Paul made it his aim, verse 20, to preach the gospel. That was his aim. That was his purpose, to preach the gospel. He says, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written... To whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Paul was a missionary. Paul was a missionary. Me? I'm building on Brother Hearn's work. Brother Hearn built on Robert Waller's work. Robert Waller built on Boyd Cribb's work. Boyd Cribb built on C.L. Powell's work. C.L. Powell built on Harold Knight's work. And so on back a hundred years. Paul was a missionary though. He wasn't building on anybody's work. He was starting from scratch. I consider our country in this day and time to be a mission field though. I consider our city to be a mission field. I talk to people every day who do not know Jesus and do not know how to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul has plans to visit Rome. Romans chapter 15, verse 22. It's around 57 A.D. and Paul is writing from 
Corinth and he's taking the contribution that's commanded in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verses 1 and 2 and further discussed in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and uh, chapters 8 and 9 he's taking this to the poor saints of Jerusalem as he says in Romans chapter 15 verse 26 as we said in the very first lesson on Romans uh, there was no US postal service uh, in, in that area at this time there was no post office no mail carriers of any kind and so when someone was going that way that's when you would send a letter and that person would promise to give it Phoebe seems to be that person in Romans chapter 16 verse 1 she seems to uh, probably, be, probably be that person for Paul but counting from Phoebe Paul greets and praises no less than 27 Christians in Rome along with their households. Uh, First are Priscilla and Aquila, the the husband and wife team. Paul met and and worked with them in Ephesus, who in verse 4 it says, uh, risked their own lives for Paul. Uh, This is chapter 16, verse 4. Risked their own lives for Paul. Uh, Another of note, or verse 6, and Andronicus and Junia, who Paul notes were in Christ before he was. Now, how did they get into Christ before Paul? Well, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. They were baptized into Christ. That was the doctrine to which, that was delivered to them, Romans chapter 6, verse 18, and the doctrine that they obeyed. Again, Paul has been traveling. He wants them to know. He wants them to understand. They are not alone. Church, you're not alone. You're not alone. Paul says in Romans chapter 16, verse 16, the churches of Christ greet you. Paul was writing to people who had no, no idea about denominations of God's people. In fact, in verse 17, he warns in verse 17 about those who would cause division. Denominations were unknown then. The churches of Christ greet you. They salute you, it says in the King James Version. The church is the body of Christ. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. Of which He is the head. The church of Christ is is not a denomination. The church of Christ is not a denomination. Let me say it again. The church of Christ is not a denomination. You do not belong to a church of Christ. You belong to the church of Christ. It's It's descriptive of whose church it is. It's descriptive of whose, whose church it belongs, whose the church belongs to. The church belongs to Christ. It's, it's His body. I'm not a Church of Christ preacher. I, I've told you this before. I'm a preacher in the Church of Christ. We all belong to the body of Christ, the Church of Christ. We're not a denomination. Paul has told the body of Christ in Rome of the doctrine they obeyed. And how others can obey it as well. He's told them this. He's told them this in chapters one through eleven. But now, in chapters twelve through sixteen, he tells the Christians in Rome and us today how to apply God's righteousness. And we could sum this up. We could sum up how we as Christians should obey in one word: service. That's how we should obey. Service. 
We've already learned how to be Christians. We've already learned that God is sovereign and that He rules our lives. There's no need to learn that anymore. Now what we've got to do is put this into practice. We've got to apply this to our lives. And how we apply this to our lives, how we are better Christians in the world that we live in, is by service. Service. As slaves of righteousness, Romans chapter 6 verse 18, our lives should be lives of service. As God's servants, we have certain duties, we have responsibilities that we must do. Inside these responsibilities we have as Christians certain liberties. I know this kind of sounds confusing. Don't let me explain it. Let Paul explain it. Okay? First and foremost, as Christians, we have a responsibility toward God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is our reasonable service. Jesus Christ gave His life for us in service. We can do this for God. We look at our children. Any of your children ever done this to you? Walked up to you? Had that hand out? Right? And you give them whatever they need. You provide for your children. But don't you expect them to do some things for you in return? Don't you expect them to, even the little ones, to, to clean up a little mess here or, or clean their room or, or clean the dishes? Or We expect our children to do that, don't we? Why do we not think that our Heavenly Father expects the same of us? To provide service. Not only for ourselves and for our families, but for those around us. God has done so much for us. So in verse 2, we should not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by renewing our minds so we can prove the will of God. Then in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 21, we have a responsibility for the society around us. Verses 3 through 8, it says we must find out what we do best. Find out what you do best and then, and then well, do it. <laughs> what do you do best? What are you best at? Do you know? Have you tried to find out? Find it out. Find out what you do best. Only, really only you can find that out. If you ask me, I might be able to give you some suggestions or, or maybe ask some, one, one of your friends, what could I do for the Lord? How could I help the church? Find it out and do it. Verse 9, let our love be without hypocrisy. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Verse 18, as much as it depends on you, live peaceable with all men. Verse 20, verse 20 if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If, if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will eat, eat coals of fire upon his head. You know, we were talking this past Wednesday night about violence. And how, how, how 
it would be very hard if somebody hurt one of our children or, or somebody hurt our spouse or, or somebody did something to somebody that we loved in this community and did something very violent and vile to them. How it would be very hard not to, not to want to retaliate. But we also talked about how we've got to get it in our mind, how we're going to act beforehand. And Christians don't retaliate like that. Christians love their enemies feed their enemies. Give their enemies drink. We don't repay evil for evil. We don't pay hurt, repay hurt for hurt, hurt. It's not eye for an eye anymore. It's not tooth for tooth anymore. Verse 21, don't let the evil around you overcome you. And Rome had a lot of evil. Rome was a very evil place. Portland, for its size, has lots of evil too. Overcome, it says, evil with good. Those in Paul's day and those in in our day have a responsibility to our society. We also have a responsibility to the governing governing authorities. In our case, it's the local, state, and and federal level uh, uh, governing authorities. Governments exist. Uh, Here in... uh, Chapter 13, verse 1, governments exist, verse 1, because God wants them to. That's the reason governments exist, because God wants them to exist. And if you resist, you bring judgment upon yourself, verse 2. They lived under an emperor in Rome. We happen to live in a government of the people, by the people, for the people. We have a responsibility as citizens to make sure that we are, are right with God and, and that our government is, is right with God. Christianity overthrew the wickedness of Rome and it can overthrow the wickedness in our country too. Verse 4, the policeman on the street, the soldier in the field are God's ministers. They're an avenger to execute wrath on those who practice evil. They are God's ministers. If you do good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. Verse 7. Pay your taxes. Tick tock. April 15th is coming, right? Tick tock. Pay your taxes. Respect those who rule over us and honor those to whom honor is due. We as Christians have a responsibility to our government. We have a responsibility to the civil authorities that are around us. We've got to be law-abiding citizens. We as Christians have a responsibility to our neighbors. Chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. Love your neighbors, verse 10. Love does no harm to their neighbor. It says, wake up, verse 11, wake up. It's time to get busy. Stop sleeping. We, we had a campaign a few years ago, waking up the pew potatoes, right? Wake up. Cast off the works of darkness, verse 12. Put on the armor of light. 
Paul says later in verse uh, chapter 14, verse 11, one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Christ as Lord. But back to chapter 13, verse 14. So Paul says, put Christ on every day. Put Christ on. Every, day you, every morning you get up, put Christ on. You'll find that within these responsibilities, there are certain liberties that the Christian enjoys. Chapter 14, but it's, it's not about food, verse 3. It's not about food or, or days, verse 5. Stop judging each other over trivial things. You know, we have a, a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater. One may believe one thing is right, another may believe the same thing is wrong. We have liberty to disagree, but it says treat each other gently. Treat each other with gentleness. In this liberty you have, well really you've got your hands full. You've got your hands full taking care of yourself without worrying about running around and checking on everybody else. Take care of your own life. Love one another, verse 18, in the single-minded service to Christ. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. We're to be careful with our liberty. That's in Jesus Christ because chapter 15, verse 1, we have a responsibility to the weak. Paul tells us why. Just flip back one page to chapter 14, verse 20. Here's why we have a responsibility to the weak. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food, for the sake of trivial things. All things are indeed pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. So turn back to chapter 15, verse 7. We have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to each other. We're to receive one another just as Christ also received us. What does that mean? Receive. What does it mean that Christ received us? We're to receive each other the same way. The weak and the strong among us are to love each other. So that we can help each other in our weaknesses in our quirks, in our problems, in our trials. I may be strong one day and you may be weak one day. But flip that day around and I may be weak one day where you're strong. My strength may have strengthened you and now your strength strengthens me. We need to lean on each other. How did Jesus receive us? Verse 7, to the glory of God. In other words, when we obeyed, God was glorified. When we love each other, God is glorified. He's honored. He's praised. Admiration is given to God when we love each other. Verse 27, if we as Gentiles had been partakers of spiritual things... It's our duty, it's our responsibility to minister in material things. We have a responsibility to each other spiritually, and we have a responsibility to each other materially. Paul ends Romans much like he began. 
with the gospel. God's righteousness. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The preaching of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 16 verse 25. The gospel is God's power to save. Romans 1.16. God's righteousness has been revealed. It's been justified. Now, will you apply? Will you apply God's righteousness to your life? Will you obey what you believe? You believe the scriptures, yes? Will you obey them? Will you be a responsible Christian? Will you be a strong swimmer? Can you jump into the midst of the sea, rise again? Will you obey? If you will this morning, rededicate your life to God. If you've been timidly waiting on the shore, holding a plank, afraid to jump in to the Christian life, ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth, let me tell you how you can come to a knowledge of the truth. Service. Get out there and get busy. Will you rededicate your life this morning to service? Or if you need to, get wet. Get into the water this morning. What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Come now. As together we stand.